Marketologist, this is another marketing strategy session. I have Teresa Heath wearing with me, and she is going to talk about how you can market your business. And we're going to talk a little bit about entrepreneurialism. I know y'all love to talk about that, and you know what's in it for you: how to grow your business. Teresa, thanks for coming on the call. Ah, oh, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Great. So let's talk about what you call accidental entrepreneurship. I okay. thought that was wonderful. <laughs> so you know how like some people say from whenever they were a child, they used to like sell this or try and make money doing this. And like, it was just naturally in their genes that mm -hmm. they became or had that entrepreneurial spirit. Well, that was not me at all. So I went to university, I did a degree in marketing. I then worked for like 10 plus years in marketing and I liked working for someone else. Super risk averse, never thought for one minute I would have my own business. And I joke that I went through an early midlife crisis, early, because I'm obviously too young for that. Um, <laughs> but like, basically my life had changed so my husband and i had divorced and i'd got my young daughter who was three at the time and i was working for a marketing agency where i live and things were good but i just thought you know what i, I think i need to move on i think i need a different challenge so i handed my notice in gave them eight weeks notice and i thought i'm going to go and get another job started looking forgetting that i'm in a fairly you know not a huge city or anything i'm in a nice small town in Shropshire in england mm. and the salaries you know the jobs aren't there necessarily so and this is way before everyone's working from home so mm -hmm. i start looking can't find anything and i start to panic and i'm about three weeks in of my eight weeks notice and i think what am i actually going to do if I don't get a job, I have a house to run. I have a car to run. I have to earn like 1500 pounds a month just to keep the, the roof over our head for me and my daughter. I don't have anybody to lean on in terms of money support. My parents weren't wealthy. I didn't have a husband at that point and, it, and I didn't have any savings. So it was sort of like a bit of a back up against the wall situation. I thought, well, what if, what if I did this myself? What if I started my own business? And I was literally just thinking about the idea. And then my boss at the time realized or got wind that this was happening and basically asked me to leave. So then Ooh. I had one week's notice and pay left and I had to start earning money. And that was it. It was like website up, brand up, literally hustle. And I'm not a big fan of the hustle factor, but in those early days, I literally had to go out there and build this business. And then six, seven years later, here I am with a business that i adore wow that's great so so he was real cheeky with that he just pushed you on out the door huh? yeah wow <laughs> yeah Man. that was it they immediately thought oh hang on a minute like she's gonna go and steal all these clients and absolutely not but yeah so i was gone so literally like end of the week i had to sort something out wow that is amazing but hey six years later you still made it so it was meant to be I, I guess the opportunity was there and you know since you were taking too long to seize the opportunity yeah. <laughs> they made it where it was you had to get this opportunity exactly wow. it was forced upon me uh but Ooh. absolutely the best thing ever wow and that happens to a lot of entrepreneurs a lot of people think entrepreneurs are like you say they're the type that I always was one. I grew up and, you know, I said, I'm going to do this and this is who I am and my purpose. And a lot of times it's not. You talk to a lot of uh, business owners and it was because of necessity. Um, 
It, it, it was not a planned thing. And there's a lot of people that are feel entrepreneurial that have been planning for years, but just haven't had the boss to open up the door and push him out of it. So yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I don't think I would have done if that if that hadn't come about. I'm not sure what it would have taken for me to do that. And and people sort of say, you know, do you recommend that kind of pressure? And it's like, no, like what a ridiculous time to do it. I had to earn the money. But there's a huge part of me that thinks if I wasn't in that situation, mm-hmm. would I have made it work? And I don't know that I would have done. I think I needed that kind of level of pressure to go, yeah. there we go. I've, I'm going to make it because I haven't got any other choice. Wow. Wow. So when you when you're coaching different entrepreneurs and talking to them, what are some of the things that you, you know, uh, press upon them and say, hey, you know, a lot of it's about mindset. So Mm. what are some of the, you know, things that you teach them when it comes to them approaching this new journey in life with being Mm. an entrepreneur? So the two areas that I focus on all the time are, uh, the marketing side and the mindset side, because one without the other is no good. Like I could tell you right now, okay, you need to go live on your Facebook page every day for the next week. I could tell you, write a blog post about why you started the business or do a social media post about your biggest fear in business. And and they could go, oh yeah, that's a great idea. I could literally prove, you know, this strategy is a winner and it will work. But then their head goes, Oh, I don't want to put myself out there. I'm really nervous of what people will say. And what if people say something that, you know, I don't like? And what if, or even worse, what if I put it out there and no one says anything? So for me, those two things have to go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So what on the marketing side, the sort of stuff I talk about is my roadmap, which is you need to get seen, you need to get emails, then you get sales, then you get fans. So okay. it's like, what are you doing at each point to get those things? Because sometimes what we'll see is someone isn't posting and they're not putting themselves out there. And then they're thinking, why aren't I getting sales? Well, you know, that's kind of strange. No one knows you exist at this point. And then they might put themselves out there and they might post on social media. They might appear, you know, in, in the eye. And yet they're not asking for someone to join their email list or they're not asking for the sale. So it's like, again, great that you're putting yourself out there but how are you getting them on your list to warm them up so then we have to do the the getting them on the list thing and then from the list thing like how are we letting them buy from us because one thing we're really bad at I think or lots of entrepreneurs are really bad at is we don't actually ask for the sale we don't actually go this is you know here's my content here's my blog here's my podcast here's my whatever this is how you can work with me and Mm -hmm. this is how you can effectively pay me money. You know, we're just not very good at kind of getting that bit across. And then the last step, which is the one that lots of people forget about, is how do you make those people who have bought from you love you? Like, how do you please them and support them and add value to them so that they then effectively go out and do your getting seen job for you where they're posting about your podcast where they're talking about your program while they're recommending to their friends that you need to get on this list because it's amazing so for me it's that whole circle from that marketing point of view but then from the mindset point of view it's about having a really clear goal it's a really kind of where am I trying to get to for starters but basing that on what makes you so happy. Like, you know, it can't just be about one aspect or it can't be about just making money. Cause if it was just about making money, we'd all do stuff that made us miserable just to make money. So it's yeah. like understanding what do I love about what I do? What literally like wakes me up in the morning and I'm excited to do it. Like, I don't know about you, but I never have Sunday blues never like I never think oh I've got to work tomorrow because I love what I do so it's about getting a really good understanding on that really under good understanding on on what my goal is and what do I want and Mm -hmm. then working on things like our fears and imposter syndrome and those kind of things to help push us out of those comfort zones because we're ultimately going to have to do things that do not make us comfortable and we're going to have to get no's and we're going to have to, you know, try new things that might work, might not work. 
So it's building up that kind of resilience almost on the mindset side, because in all honesty, for the entrepreneurs out there listening and, and, you know, when I look at entrepreneurs and I look at the really successful ones, mm-hmm. it feels to me that one of the strongest things they have is tenacity. Like they get knocked down, they pick themselves back up again, knocked down, back up again. And yeah. it's like, if you haven't got that, cause there is knockdowns all the time, like literally all the time. So yeah. if you haven't got that, then you're not going to go very far. I don't think. That's true. I mean, in anybody's story, you'll find out that they've had times where um, they didn't know if it was going to work. They, they didn't know what tomorrow was going to bring. They felt like this isn't isn't worth it, you know, and they stuck through it and got through it. Um, but, you know, and, and with the passion point of view, uh, a lot of times you don't even know what it is that you love. You just do it all the time and you don't even realize it until you step back and say, wait a minute, I'm doing this all the time. This must be something that I love. Um, Mm -hmm. But if somebody was to ask you, what do you love to do? I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't know. But, you know, that I've realized for um, some myself, as well as some of my clients, when you start to talk to them, they'll say, well, I always do this. I'm always doing this. Well, that might be what you love to do. You know, like, Myself, I notice I am always doing something in regards to marketing. I'm always on the computer. It's pretty much a computer in every room. Um, Even when I'm on vacation, I still research stuff on my phone and so forth. So it's something I love to do, even though I might not say, oh, this is something I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. But it's something I've been doing for so long, so many years. So yeah. And I think the key question is, and strangely enough, I talked about this uh, earlier on to someone else. Someone once asked me, you know, what would you do if you won the lottery? And I was like, I'd carry on because yeah. I love it. Like it would just open up some options for me. It would definitely ease up in some areas because I'd have that financial kind of stability of, okay, well, I can bring a team to do all of that stuff. And I literally just have to do the bits I absolutely love. But yeah. honestly, I would. And I think if you can answer that question and go, yeah, I still really want to do it, then it absolutely is your passion. And and that, you know, teamed up with that tenacity, goodness knows where it can take you. Yeah, yeah. And and, and that's very important because a lot of us do chase the money. Um, And a friend of mine told me one time, you can sell anything. You just need to figure out what you want to sell. You know, he said, people are buying water, people are buying air. So you can sell anything, but you might not, that might not be something that you're in, in it to do. And um, I know I can raise my hand and I'm sure many of the listeners can raise their hand. We've taken jobs and done things that we absolutely hated, but we did it for the money. And at the end of the day, it wasn't fulfilling. And then when the job wasn't there anymore, it was like wasted time because it wasn't like, you know, you made a mountain of money and said, oh, it was all worth it because I made all this money. Usually when when it's all said and done, you're where you started and and it's nothing but wasted time. So. And, you know, like those situations where you have a client that's coming to you and you think, I don't really want to do this, so I'll price it up or you try and price yourself out of the game. (laughs) Like, honestly, those are the people that we should be going, if I'm even going to think of doing that, actually let's just not do it like (laughs) i've done that that before because at what point does that price become more important than us and and our enjoyment and our you know and you know um, i've taken those clients on and i've had to fire those type of clients who you've literally been like i knew it my gut told me the second i saw you or the second we had a conversation you were not for me so i priced it high thinking i'll make it worth my time and i still hated it yep so if you even start to have that conversation you probably want to be like no i don't think this is going to be worth it yeah yeah and and it really is about um being happy and i I think that uh sometimes with the capitalism we think more about the money and Money really is just a vehicle to open up opportunities for you to experience happiness. 
if you chase money and you have millions, if not nowadays, billions of dollars, or can I put on my Austin Powers face, a billion trillion dollars, <laughs> you still can't take it with you. And, and, and the bottom line is you have it all in the bank, but if you're steady working for it and not enjoying it, then mm -hmm. it's not worth it. So, you know, understanding why are you doing what you do? Like you say, when you wake up in the morning, I just love doing it. Now, getting income from that is a bonus. Yeah. That's exactly. even better, exactly. you know? Yeah. Good yeah. day, But yes. And now when you said you deal with marketing, and mindset when it comes to marketing and you as well as myself graduated doing marketing mm -hmm. and school did not teach us this part of marketing it was not like in the books <laughs> no no definitely not no, they yeah i was like they said it was supposed to go like this this and you put together this packet this campaign and that i was like nah marketing is definitely not like that but um, when you're when you're putting together like marketing for companies and and your clients as well as yourself, um, what are some of the principles that you like to make sure that are in place um, in any campaign? Yeah. So for me now, it's about the and the one that I think I've taken throughout my entire career because, like you said, the degree I did in marketing, other than the fundamentals, which were brilliant. Mm -hmm. you know there was no social media email wasn't really as big as it is now there wasn't websites so the the tools and the tactics have, have changed but the fundamentals have stayed the same and for me the fundamental that's the most important thing when i'm doing any campaign is um to think about my tone of voice and to think about who i'm targeting so i okay. constantly go back with my my students and, and people that i work with and basically say we need to look at who that customer is and we need to think about how would we talk to them where they are right now like okay. what is it that that they're struggling with what do they need help with how do they feel about it what sort of what keeps them awake at night what has them worried what could they do with their life if they could get over this problem and we hold the solution to that problem. So for me now, it's very much, I want people to, to read my content or to see stuff and go, yeah, that's me. Yeah, no, I know what she's saying. Yeah, Teresa, you've got me. So, mm -hmm. so I think, you know, part of it is that knowing your customer, making sure you're writing that, that right content. The other thing for me, which I guess is different now is, the authenticity around it. So okay. me as a brand, which is a really odd thing for me to talk about given I've done marketing for so long, but you know, Teresa as a brand, you know, we have a look and a feel and a, and a certain way that I am. And it's about showing as much as possible that authentic me. So, okay. you know, I do like things to look a particular way. I have a nice setup. I have all the lights. I have that, you know, the colors on my branding can match the colors in my house. Like, you know, it, it is absolutely me. And it's about how do I show my audience more of me? Because there are a million people doing the job that you do, like yeah. millions of them. And when we talk about, you know, unique selling points, which we might have done years and years ago, I think that was probably more prevalent then, whereas now it really isn't that prevalent. The only unique selling point I have is me and yeah. the way I talk and my experience and how I explain things and how I teach things and my motivation and my energy and, and all those kind of things. So where possible into my marketing, I really try and put as much as me into it as possible, um, as much as open and honest and authentic as I can be. But mm -hmm. also, and I think this has definitely changed from, you know, long time ago marketing, listening to your customer, you know, mm -hmm. back to who we know they, you know, knowing who they are, mm -hmm. having those conversations. So I always welcome conversations in my DMs. I welcome conversations back to emails because it's about that two-way street now. It's not it's not like mass marketing was 10 years ago where literally, you know, it screams at you and yeah. that's it. You don't have any interaction with me. It's yeah. just, you know, now it's very much a two way street. And that's so, so true. I mean, back in the push marketing days when it was the mad, mad men and mm -hmm. I'm going to force this commercial down your throat until you yeah. submit 
You know, that, that was really it. It was like whoever has the most money that can put the most commercials out to force it down your throat until you submit was the one that wins. Nowadays, there's so many options. Um, conversation is important and that authenticity is important. And that's hard. I talked with um, Lauren. Um, we talked about influencer marketing and she was saying about how it's very important to have your own voice and be authentic. And I was telling her that's really difficult when it is being you, how you can be true to you and express yourself, especially, I guess, for us old school marketers that have been taught, no, you write this clever messaging that's going to make them magically just want to buy from you and not even know why they want to buy from you. It's just your words were so powerful that they had to submit. You know, uh, it doesn't work that way nowadays i love that because you're so right like the marketing of old was like you know the the word that you use the submit word is so right because it's like <laughs> that's how it was whereas now as as you know people buying any or consuming any products or services they are so much more smarter they are so much more we have so much more access to work at who you are mm -hmm. and whether i like you or whether i'm going to you know resonate with you or whether i like your style and i think that's where owning my authenticity is really doing me a a good service because people yeah. are looking at me and they might listen to a podcast they might watch me on something they might hear me speak on stage and then they might some people might sit there and go who is this woman she's driving me insane and that's absolutely fine because as long as i'm being my fully authentic self then that's fine i'm not for you you know yeah. and there are lots of other marketers that might well be for you but the ones who sit there and think you know she's pretty funny she talks about gin a lot she likes laugh she obviously knows what she's talking about she is so passionate about it like I really resonate with that, then great, because when they join a program, when they have some coaching, when they are part of my world, then that's what they get. Whereas trying to show up as one thing and then, you know, and I've seen it and I still see it to this day, you know, people yeah. who are personal brands who go, oh, I'm so like this. And you're like, you are not like that at all. Like, yes. just yes. don't do it. Just be honest. Yes. And you can, and, and people can see through it now. Yeah. And especially when you're trying to emulate somebody else, you're trying to be like somebody else. Um, I remember when um, certain people came out, for instance, Gary V, when Gary V became very popular, you know, in a corporate setting, it was not appropriate to curse. Now, everybody's cursing. Everybody's so unapologetic. And I say what I want. I do what I want. I'm going to wear a T-shirt yeah. and jeans and nobody's going to tell me. And it's like, was that really you? Because you used to be in a suit and tie. Now all of yeah. a sudden you're just, I'm just gonna come in the scully and I'm gonna say what I want. You're trying too much to be like Gary Vee. And, and for Gary that works because that's him, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, for you, Tom, that's not you, Tom. It's like, go put yeah. the suit back on and stop cussing and we'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. And so it's real hard, especially when you're putting yourself out there. Now you're opening up to all the praises and criticisms because it's really you. It's not behind a facade. Um, and so, you know, I feel when I'm dealing with other uh, clients as well as myself, that is a hard hurdle to, to get over. Um, just being yourself. And and if you stumble over words, if you, you know, however you do, if you move your hands too much, that's fine. Because like you say, some people won't like it, but then you have those that will like it, that will actually come to your rescue and defend you and say, hey, don't talk about her. I like the way she talks about Jen. You know, that's fine, you know? <laughs> and that's the thing. And it's just finding your people. That's what you're doing. You're finding, you know, the people who, who fit with your personality because could you imagine like you know I, I do coaching calls with my academy members and you know we'll be on a call and there'll be 30 40 people on the call with me and could you imagine if the people in there are not my people and I have to present myself in a different way to appease them that yeah. would just be awful like oh yeah you know and again we've all done that especially coming from corporate world like 
in corporate world, you didn't talk about your family, especially as a woman, you didn't talk about your family. I didn't mm -hmm. talk about my, my daughter. You know, you tried not to take time off because, you know, if, if a child's ill or whatever. Yeah. You know, I worked in a very male-dominated industry where I was basically one of the only women. And you have to almost alter who you are mm -hmm. in order to to fit that space and to fit that look and to fit that kind of thing. And it's not that you're lying about who you are, but but you do have to, to do what's appropriate, you know? Yeah. Because like you said, there is a level of appropriateness when you're working for corporate or you're, you know, you've got a certain type of job. Whereas when, when you are working for yourself and you're doing your own things, you get to decide, you get to decide whether you're someone that swears a lot, like Gary Vee. You get to decide whether you're someone that's very open and vulnerable about personal issues, you know, mm -hmm. and, and share those stories. You get to decide whether you show up talking about the fact that you like a gin on an evening. Like, you get to decide that. No one else gets to decide, it's your choice. But in saying that, I remember seeing, um, oh, Robert, was it Robert Kawasaki once, did I see him? I'm not gonna it, like if I get the name wrong and I blame him for something else. So anyway, <laughs> let's whoever it was. I saw them speak once and they were talking about the fact that they were being really like divisive on their social media. They were very honest and clear about their religious position, their political position. They were almost like too honest about their thoughts about the other side of the political thing. And it's like do you know what? He has every right to do that in his own brand, with his own business and his own mm -hmm. stuff. Now, would I go that far? I'm not sure if my, my opinions are that strong, to be honest, but like, would I? No, probably not, because that really doesn't reflect on who I am or what I do or how you interact with me. So, yeah. and I don't feel the need to do that. And also knowing that, I know that you're going to lose some people for no, no good reason. So, yeah. so I make the decision that you know, like I said, I'm not particularly uh, swayed in one way or another particularly, so therefore I just don't talk about it at all. So you mm -hmm. can do it, you've just got to know that that divisive stuff is going to literally tip some people over the edge and they're like, you are not for me anymore. And yeah. some people into raving fans because you've come out and gone, this is who I am really strongly, but yeah. only you can make that decision. And that's so true. I actually was uh, invited to a podcast to talk about a topic and um, I declined just because of that, you know, and they know me as a person, they know my views, but as a brand, I, my brand just don't talk about those type topics. And, you know, uh, I, like I told them, yeah, if we had a personal conversation, I would love to, to have a debate with the opposing side. Now, now they were setting me up and it's a friend of mine but I know he was setting me up because he was like, yeah, you need to talk to this guy because I know how you feel about it. And I was like, look, you just want to see us argue. That's all. You're yeah. just setting us up. You're being messy. <laughs> but um, And do that of an evening over yeah. a beer with them, fine. Do that on a public podcast where your brand name is attached to it. Exactly. It's another matter. Exactly. I was like, it's not worth me, you know, smearing my brand over something that really my opinion doesn't even matter i mean in, in in that sense it didn't even matter um and it's not a it's not a lane that i'm in so if it was a lane we were talking about business if we were talking about marketing then yes i would get on a podcast and we could basically hash it out but you know in that realm that's not even i told him that i said that's something that that you talk about that's perfect for your platform it's not a it's not a topic that you know I talk about. So for my platform, it would throw people that follow me off. Cause they'd be like, why is he even talking about that? That, you know, he never talks about that. And um, so I said, yeah, it will work for your show because your show is real issues. And you like pitting people against each other to get different vantage points. Yeah. I get it for your show. Next time you have a business topic, I'll get on the show. But you know, for that type of topic, my opinion isn't even a qualified opinion. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, I'm not a, I'm not in that field. I, I'm not even a qualified no. person. So no, exactly. Like, there's nothing nicer than, you know, when you're having a conversation with someone about marketing and, and 
like I remember once I interviewed this one woman and her pitch to me was um uh, why lead magnets are a waste of time or something and I'm a huge fan of lead magnets and I talk about and promote them and initially I was like mm, I don't think so and then I looked into her and I looked at her stuff and I was like you know what I am really interested for this conversation like yeah. I want to hear what she does instead and how that works for her and that makes great content for my audience mm -hmm. because they get to hear two sides of a story and yeah. and actually it was great and she was great and her the setup and what she does was really smart it worked really specifically for her industry and what she was doing yeah. but it was another voice into the to the thing so i am more than happy to for someone to come to me and go oh teresa you know you talk about this and you love this well actually i don't think that's the case yeah. I'm more than happy from a marketing perspective to go, okay, cool. You tell me then, like, you know, where's, where's your evidence? What, what do you do? How does it work? And, and go on a journey of discovery and that's fine. But yeah, yeah. like just having a debate for the sake of. Yeah. Just arguing. And isn't it beautiful? Cause marketing is, is just like what we talked about, about anything can be sold. There's so many methods and strategies that work. Love. that i mean are contradictory but both work it just depends yeah. on who it is who is targeted and how they do it but you know there are so many techniques out there strategies and you're like well we always think that there's only one way to market and mm. you follow this blueprint and it's like sometimes doing i mean i think this is what destroyed a lot of traditional marketers when social media came out and these kids are getting millions of views, <laughs> millions of followers, and you've got actual agencies trying to figure out how in the world did this kid dance? And they're just dancing and people yeah. are following and they're like, all they're doing is dancing. That's all they're doing, just dancing. And you know, we've got this million dollar campaign we put together. We've got our <laughs> techniques. We've got sports cars, mansions. We've got celebrities. And they've got more views than us. And all they're doing is dancing. <laughs> you know, they can't You're figure so it out. Right. But if you were to try to put together a strategy, we're going to get a little kid and they're going to dance. And then oh. it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And it's because it's not the dancing, it's that kid really being themselves and people. Yes resonating with that kid that yeah. personality they're like yeah i like that little kid you know yeah. so him being 100 percent authentic yeah you rolling a kid in front of a pretend house doing a pretend dance and and like you said our perception filters now are like eek that's horrible you know yep. we don't want to be sold to we don't want to be told a lie we don't want to you know we don't want to see i would rather see a far less polished version of it if it's real like yeah that's what i would rather than have this production thing but you're so right and it is so funny because obviously years ago i used to work for a big agency um and i've been the client side as well so i've been the client for a massive brand and i had all these agencies and i i actually would have loved to have seen that kind of whole scenario play out because they literally would be scratching their heads they'd be like hang on a minute, this isn't the case, you know, and, and like you said, none of this stuff existed, none of this stuff was a thing, job titles like content creators yeah. weren't a thing, there was nothing called content creators, mm -hmm. so now it's evened kind of a playing field for lots of people, because, you know, back in the day, I used to work for Land Rover, we had a huge marketing budget, as you can imagine, but like, yeah. You know, so we could do the big things, whereas someone else couldn't because they were teeny tiny and marketing really was only for the big players. Whereas mm. now, like you said, someone can put a video up and get way more views than you can. And that has kind of evened out the, the kind of playing field. But also, I think from a business owner point of view, I think it's done two things. One, I think it has uh, almost made them think it's too easy and mm -hmm. they wonder why it's not happening to them. So, well, I put a video out and it only had three views. Like, where's all my millions of views? Well, yeah, it's a little bit hard than that. Like, occasionally you hit on something like a child dancing and suddenly the world goes crazy. But that is, like, imagine how many videos there are out there of children dancing. Yeah. Like, yeah. millions. Yeah. So, one, I think they think 
this should be so easier than it is because all these things are happen, you know, and, and all this stuff is open to them that they're like, well, I did a post on Facebook and no one's bought my stuff or I did an ad and it's not converting. Mm -hmm. But also I think this has led to so much overwhelm for them and so much confusion and frustration around what platform should I be on? Should I be doing this? Should I be doing Instagram yeah. reels now? Should I be on TikTok? Should I be doing this thing? Why, you know, so-and-so got a video that hit this, so I should definitely be doing videos. And it's like, it's too much. It's, you know, yeah. all these options are almost too much options. It's like when you go to a menu, a food menu, and you're like, oh, but I really want that. Oh, but I want that too. It's like, yeah. <laughs> if you just gave me five things to pick from, I'd make a decision like that. So, yeah. I think it's almost doing, it's, it's great, but on the other hand, it's really difficult as well. And also, um, even though these business masterminds are very brilliant, they still get caught up in the facade because though that kid dancing got a million views, the kid sold nothing. Yes. It's different. You have a million views, but no sales. And so, yeah you know, they get caught up into, oh, I have to have all these fans and followers and so forth. And it's like, at, in business, at the end of the day, is how many people bought? How much revenue did you generate? You know, now for a child dancing, so they could show off to their friends in school, that's their, that's their currency, that's their revenue. They're not making any money off of it. And so I think a lot of times businesses, especially small businesses, no, well, I can't even say that, large businesses too, get so caught up in that, Yes. They miss the point. Metrics. Yeah, mm. yeah, they just missed the think, point. And you know what's really interesting? I went in my business, when I started off, I, I started off as a consultant, agency. I bought a team on, we did stuff for clients. And then about two years ago, two to one or two years ago, I started to want to grow the, the online business side even more. And basically, and I was getting asked to speak in different places and I was traveling a lot when we could. And I was doing all the stuff. So I made a really conscious decision to not take any, on any more clients, to actually mm -hmm. remove some clients from our sort of offering and go, do you know what? This isn't what we do anymore. And I think you're probably better off with someone else. And I handed them over to other people. So mm -hmm. I took my income, which was good, you know, more than happy at the time. I took it to like hardly anything, right? Because I knew with the clients, I, would have, I wouldn't have had the time to do all this other stuff to build the online business. But mm. of course, the online business wasn't where it needed to be because I hadn't invested the time. So I had to take a moment of, right, I know this seems crazy to literally like reduce a successful business, but I've got to do that, have a bit hard time, and then that will give me time to build this other side. But the mm. really interesting thing was, as I started to reduce the clients and I started to stop that side of the business and I was being seen everywhere. I was on this stage and that stage and this podcast and I interviewed this person and I did this talk and I was invited to this event and everyone was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Teresa, you are like, you're killing it. Everything must be amazing for you. Your business is so good. And I used to say, because I am very honest and authentic, I used to go, you should check my bank balance because I can assure you <laughs> the bank balance does not match what you're looking at on Instagram. <laughs> it's like, yeah, of course, I was doing all these things. I was flying here, flying there. But actually, that to me was an investment in getting myself out there. So that's why I was doing it. But it wasn't bringing me any money. Like likes on Facebook or on Instagram and followers do not equal income at all. So, you know, it's so interesting how one, people still want those things. And two, yeah. how that's what they measure success at. And it's yeah. like, no, I measure success from the stories my members tell me of their successes. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when someone said, I did a, I have a 90 day program where they work one to one with me and you know, one of them increased her prices and 10x her income within 90 days because basically she wasn't charging enough. She The structure was wrong. Mm -hmm. She didn't have the confidence to up her prices. And we worked through all these things and we did it all. And it's like, yeah, that is flipping amazing. So give me that over 20 Facebook likes any day yeah. of the week. So give me real results and a bit of money in the bank over, you know, someone liking my post on Instagram. So you was making it rain emojis. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I was rich in emojis. That's what I was rich. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that currency, 
it, it gets us every time. I mean, we, we start looking at that. And, you know, sometimes when I have to walk away. So I'm, I'm talking to different friends and they'll tell me about a certain person and I'll look at their stuff. And logically, it just doesn't make sense. So I'll start to go into my little rant like, that's not real. And so they look at me as if I'm hating. They're like, oh, you just hating on them. I'm like, that, that, that's not real. That, that is not real. It doesn't make common sense. It's not real. You know, and so they're like, oh, you're going. I'm like, no, I do this every day. This is what I do. And now I'm looking at this and I'm like, yeah, that doesn't add up. Um, yeah. But I started to realize, let them enjoy that fantasy. And, yeah. you know, they're not my clients anyway. They're just friends and family. So it's like, let them enjoy that fantasy and keep my clients um, out of that type of, of uh, yeah. thinking, you know? Uh, yeah. And I think that's my only concern because I am with you. Like there is enough business for us all to go around, like whatever, that's fine. You get on with your thing. But my only frustration when it comes to this sort of thing is that other people don't see it and then they spend their money and waste it. Yeah. Like, that to me is so annoying because again, like I work with the most amazing small businesses and their budgets are tight, their time is tight and they get swayed by the stories and swayed yeah. by the, you know, the bro marketing by the, you know, I yeah. did this thing and it got me this income and, and, and then they think, Oh, I want that too. Or the other one is, you know, I've seen lots of more, um, I guess influencer type ones where they've built their Instagram account mm -hmm. based on their own passion, mm -hmm. doing their own thing. And then they go sell and tell everybody else how to build an Instagram. And it's like, the thing that frustrates me is it's like, we've come from marketing. Like my job forever, since I've ever really had a job was to market things. I have a degree yeah. in this stuff. Yeah. So this isn't based on, look, I've built this and you can copy me. This is based on, I built this based on my knowledge and I can help you in that industry and you in that industry and you in yeah. that industry. And, and that, that's my only kind of like frustration of, I hate to see people waste their money. I hate to see that they go and invest in something. And, and whereas you and I knowing social media yeah. and knowing this industry, we can spot it, you know, and I, I get it all the time. Like I had yeah. a real classic one. And in fact, it took my stepson to point it out to me. I obviously have my blinders on. Mm -hmm. I, someone approached me to do something uh, with me on the podcast and mm -hmm. they sent me their link and I'm looking at their site and I'm going through it and I didn't know them. And normally I know most people that ha I have on or, you know, they're connected through someone or so anyway, I'm going to this person's site and, and the site looked nice. It was a really nice built site. I mm -hmm. didn't have a look at the Instagram. The numbers were a wee bit inflated on the followers based on the interaction. So that was a bit of doubt. Anyway, I'm looking at a page and my stepson walks in and he's like, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm just looking at this lady. She wants to come on the podcast. I said, she's a speaker and I'm scrolling through her speaker page. And he went, there's no pictures of her speaking. And I was mm -hmm. like, yeah. oh my God. You're right. There's not a single picture. So then I downloaded the speaker guide. No pictures of speaking. Like there was a couple of pictures of like speaking, but very strategically taken, like i.e. just her and a, you know, a mic maybe, or yeah. just that. And, and he, my stepson was like, that looks like a wedding. Like that picture, <laughs> like, can we say it? And I was like, that's really funny. But, but, you know, so then you start digging because Obviously, it's my reputation on the line because yeah. it's my stuff. So you start looking around and then you're like, no, I, you know, actually there is no substance. And I couldn't find any substance behind anything. It's like it looked great on the surface. And then the minute you dig a little bit, you're like. And, no, and I've like done it. that. I've done that at conferences. I've been at conferences and there will be speakers and they say that. You can too, you too can have this mansion and this yacht. And I'm like, that's clip art. I've seen that on stock. Yeah. You know, I've seen that stock image. I, and I'm like, that's not his house. And then everybody looking at me talking about, shh, shh. I'm like, like, just me. I'm trying to save you money because you about to invest in something. And I'm telling you. And I, I remember one time I was at a conference. I had my laptop. I pulled it up online and showed them where it was free images. And I'm like, isn't that the same house? Oh, they just took a picture of his house and he just licensed. I'm like, all right, you spend your money with him then. But I'm like, it, it, it becomes, 
I've learned to woo-saw the whole mm-hmm. process, like the Gorilla Glue girl. Did you hear about that one? The girl that put the Gorilla Glue in her hair? Oh, hang on, this rings a bell, but I'm not sure, go on. Okay, so it went viral. This girl put Gorilla Glue in her hair by accident, supposedly. And then she, her hair was stuck and it wouldn't move. And um, then she got a GoFundMe page and raised like $20,000 to help her with paying for the doctor to cut the Gorilla Glue out of her hair. All right. Everybody got mad at me because I was like, first of all, that's false. Because first of all, she shows this big canister hairspray size Gorilla Glue. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Gorilla Glue, but they don't. Gorilla Glue is like super glue. It's this super epoxy yeah. glue, permanent. They don't yeah. sell it in spray cans. Okay. I I have never seen it, even in uh, construction like Home Depot. I've never yeah. seen it in a spray can. First of all, so where did she get this spray can size Gorilla Glue? Because yeah. it usually comes in little tubes. Yeah, and yeah. at most, it'll come into like maybe a, like a Elmer's glue size. Yeah. Glue. All right. Second of all, Beauty, you're, you're a lady. You're not going to find super glue. So, mm-hmm. you know, just being really honest, one helps them. And, and you know, I did something the other day. I have a course, which is um, build my list, which basically, because I'm so passionate about it, you need to have an email list. It mm-hmm. takes them from having nothing and not even having a system. And we pick a system and then we create a lead magnet and I give them all the templates and the swipe files. I then show them how to do the tech. So it means I know how to create a lead magnet process in pretty much most of the email systems now. And then I do all that. And then we talk about how they get it out there and how they get people on their list. And it takes 10 days. It's a 10 day follow me along course. We are live every day for at least an hour and a half, okay? It's a big process, right? Create, if anybody's listening to this and they have, creating a lead magnet is a big process. And then a few days later, I finished the course and this video came out from some other marketing people and it was like, create a lead magnet in 10 minutes. <laughs> and it's like, what the hell? Like, there's no way that's possible. I can't do that. And I create lead magnets like super fast now. I know how to do it. I know the process with the back of my hand. That is just not possible. And all that's doing is... You know, so Mr. and Mrs. Entrepreneur out there are going to be like, great, oh, I'll just follow this process. And then they're still faffing around in Canva yeah. three hours later, wondering why it's taking them three hours. Because let's be honest, these things take time. So for me, yeah. it's like, maybe I should say the accidental entrepreneur, accidental honest entrepreneur, you know, because I think the more honest I can be, the more realistic I can be for people. I am certainly not trying to down people and like squash their dreams not at all yeah but I just want to set their expectations because I think so or I have seen so many people feel like there's something wrong with them something wrong with their product something wrong with you know their personality and and therefore have given up on something just because their expectations were in a wrong pull you know ballpark and they thought oh well I just put this out and suddenly loads of people buy and I get six figures like yeah that's and that, and that and that's so true that expectation is so important because we are in a world where we have so many false expectations and you know I laugh and joke I'm like yeah you know I I was living on my brother's couch and next thing <laughs> you know now I'm a millionaire and it's so funny because everybody's story is so similar. I'm like, everybody had a brother's couch. Everybody lived in their mama's basement. Every I'm like, come on, man. Every time I hear the story now, I'm like, yeah, that's false. I already know that's false, even if it's true. Um, because I'm like, okay, everybody did this and turned zero to, and then you find out they were living in their brother's basement, but their brother had a, you know, 4,000 square foot home and the yeah. basement was like a house by itself. It's like the basement was pretty nice. Yeah, it's like yeah. okay, you wasn't struggling, or, or it was you know, uh, it was one night in between house sales. <laughs> exactly, exactly, it, it, and it's so funny. I even with my little one, I did this for her one time. We went to the McLaren dealership, and so she's a she's a she's a Lamborghini fanatic, and she gets it honest because she gets it from me because I'm a car fanatic too. So she's like wants a Lamborghini. So one day we just went out to the dealership. And I let her video 
in the Lamborghini. So she's in the Lamborghini taking selfies and videos and sending it to all her friends. Now all her friends think she's mega rich and da da da. And that's how it that's how it goes. And when you pick it apart, people look at you like I'm like, oh, they just rented that mansion. What do you mean they rent? They can't rent that. No, they rented that car. I remember one video I saw. There was two guys in Lamborghinis. They were literally in front of the dealership, though. You could see the dealership in the background. And the Lamborghinis had had um, decals on it that oh were similar. Goodness. Now, here's two people that don't supposed to know each other. Both of them supposed to, quote, unquote, own Lamborghinis, but both Lamborghinis got the same type of decaling on it. I'm like, Brilliant. it's from the dealership. It's a rental. I said, come on, man. Y'all couldn't even lease did yeah, Lamborghinis with no Lamborghini. decals, you know? But see, people will say, no, nah, they got a Lamborghini. And then they asked the one guy and said, how many cars you have? He said, I got six six exotic cars. And I'm thinking, six, you got six exotic cars. You got a Lamborghini, a Ferrari. I'm like, I'm not saying that you're lying because I don't know if you do or if you don't. Yeah. But it doesn't seem as if you would, you know? Yeah. It, it just doesn't seem right, you know, um, but it's interesting because you, you sell the sizzle and then you get rich. When they say, how do I get rich? Like from zero to a million overnight yeah, is yeah. by selling the book or the course that got people to buy wanting to do what they thought you did, but you never yeah. did it. That's no, how you got rich. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Exactly that. And it, you know, it's so funny because we picked up a new car the other week and uh, and I thought to myself, because I do share a lot of my Instagram stories, I'm on it all the time. I share personal stuff, you know, I share what I've eaten for dinner or I have a chat about what we've done at the weekend or whatever. So I do share a lot of me and I thought, oh, shall I share the new car? And then I thought, no, I don't think I want to do that. I just thought, oh, it's, it looks a bit showy-offy. So anyway, I didn't. And, you know, I've got this lovely new car, we're driving around it. And a few weeks later, I'm sat looking through my stories and there's this woman who comes up and she does exactly that. And I thought, oh, I'm so glad I didn't do it. Like just how it made me feel in terms of, all right, show off you and your yep. new car. Like, and then like you said, you start to doubt things, you start to disbelieve things. And it's like, you know, I would much rather let people draw their own conclusions, but just be really honest about, like do stories when I'm stood in my kitchen and yeah. do things when I'm sat in my lounge or, you know, if I am in the car, then I might do a story in the car, but I'm not like, oh, look, here's the, the name on the back of my seat. Like, you know, I'm just doing a story in the car. So it's like, you know, yeah, I, you know, I, I have a really nice life now. And it's like, I am not financially where I want to be. I've got huge aspirations, mm. but I get up every day and I love it. And I love what I do and I help lots of people yeah. and that'll come, you know? Oh and yeah. And, and, and the funny part about it is you'll, you'll get the people that are there for you because they're there for you. Yes. I remember, you know, like I said, since I am a car fanatic, um, me and my little one, we go to car shows a lot. We go to dealerships a lot. Um, and so while I'm letting her take pictures of cars, of course, I'm taking pictures of cars. And she ends up taking a picture of me in front of, I think it was a Ferrari or a Lamborghini truck or something of that nature. Yeah. And posted it. I get all of these now comments coming back to me from prospects, people that I've done business with, friends, family. You just bought a new Ferrari? I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And then I see the picture that she took of me, you know, now I'm opening the door of the Ferrari, but it was just to look inside of it. It was, yeah. they like, oh, are you gonna? And I'm like, it's so funny how now your opinion of me has changed so much because I'm holding the door of a Ferrari. Mm. You know, it's like I wasn't even saying that was my car, and like, uh, it's just amazing. Like, so what does it mean? It doesn't mean anything. Yep. You know, be because I could have it and be dead broke and could barely yeah. afford the gas for the car. You know, exactly. 
Exactly, yeah. My mum used to have a saying that it was um, fur coat and no knickers. I don't mm. know whether that's like a, you know, real UK thing. It's not something I say, but basically it was the same thing. It was like, you know, got the fur coat, look at how fancy I am, but can't afford your underwear. Yeah. Because you've just got this one thing and it's like, do you know, I just think if that's what you're thinking about when you're becoming an entrepreneur, that is not like... Yeah, that, there's going to be a lot more days where you're reason. struggling. Yeah, there's going to be a lot more days where you're like, okay, I got to juggle this to get this by. Then it is going to be days where you're throwing up, you know, money in the air and everybody's celebrating you. Um, you know, but but getting through it, I, I would say being an entrepreneur is nothing mm -hmm. like it. I mean, you know, you have your bad days, but you have mm -hmm. some days you're like, yeah, that was a good decision. Yeah. Um, you know, 100%. And, <laughs> and I think that's the thing. It's like having the tools in place to deal with the days where you just want to hide in bed yeah. and you don't want to do it anymore because someone said something mean or because the launch was a failure or, yeah. you know, the website has gone down or whatever it is. It's those having those strategies in place to help you deal with that yeah. because again you know it all looks like rainbows and sunshine but very far from it in reality and that's something that we should definitely on another podcast talk about um when those campaigns don't work because most people oh. don't talk about the ones that don't work no because yeah. they only talk about the six figure ones that are like amazing mm -hmm. but you're right there are so many things you know i had a webinar once and one person turned up one person to a webinar and i was like that person got the best webinar in the world. Like she literally had all, like it was like a, a completely one-to-one -one hour call for her. Wow, but like, yeah. You've got to be honest about these things because if people are going to put themselves out there, then that's what they've got to expect or that's what they've got to be ready for. Because yeah. there's a fair chance that might happen at the beginning. If it doesn't, wow, lucky you. Like yeah. you should be applauding yourself because yeah. that's amazing. But because people aren't honest then they think oh well i didn't that was a stupid idea why did i do that and it's like no just and and i like to say all the time you know you put your scientist jacket on and you go to work to find out okay that was interesting and both from a mindset and a marketing point of view we're too quick to, to damn ourselves to be angry yeah. to shame to go well, who did you think you were? And that was terrible. And why did you think people were going to do that? No, no, no. What we should do is go, right, that was interesting. Um, so I did this and I got this result. Could I have done that differently? Could I have reacted differently? Mm -hmm. Could I have, you know, and, and just to examine what happened rather than go, well, stupid you, you know. Yep. We're never doing webinars again. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. And if I hadn't, then I literally wouldn't have launched my academy and my other stuff and, but you've just got to do it. You just got to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll start to find contingency plans like, okay, so it didn't work, but I recorded it. So I can always make it an evergreen webinar. Exactly. And you know, um, the ads that I remember you getting ready to launch an ad and then all of a sudden the platform decides they want to ban uh, you. And it's like, I've had that. yeah, I, we all have, but see, we never talk about it. We mm -hmm. all have, but we just don't talk about it to where you literally are about to launch. And now all of a sudden it's like, nope, we're banning you. And you're like, what did I do? You yeah. uh, read our guidelines. And you're like, I've read the guidelines. I don't know what I did. Oh. <laughs> it's like, and then you get the, oh, sorry, no, I'm mistaken, you're fine. <laughs> oh, oh, you've been on that same platform. That's exactly what they sent me. Oh, sorry, it's our mistake. We're reactivating you now. Yeah. And I was exactly. like, are you serious? Because now the launch date is is passed. Yeah. And you I'm know. days behind where I need to be. So thank yep. you very much. Yep. But we don't talk about it. And then when it happens, you know, your your client starts to get frustrated. Well, what did you do? Well, no, it's not. It's something that happened um, yeah. to a lot. And actually, I posted on the platform and it said, how many times, how many other people have experienced this? And got a lot of response. And people were like, yeah, I've been banned too. I've been banned too. All I've been... the time. Yeah. yeah. It's a nightmare. And nightmare. so that brings up the contingency plan of when you're building out your strategy, have a contingency. If this platform doesn't allow you to, what else are you going to do? 
So you mm. can't go on this one, go on that one. Yeah. Or, you know, what's another backup? Because at any time, something could happen. You know, just mm. like right now, the reason we're doing this and we're doing it recorded um, is just in case the internet goes <laughs> out. If we were live, live, then it would be, it would be like, oh man, internet went out. What are we exactly. supposed to do? So, but you've got to, you've got to, you know, be ready for these things because it can happen at any point. But yes. like you said, we just don't talk about it. So yeah, I love that. Yes. Well, Teresa, thank you so much for sharing yourself with My us, pleasure. being transparent, and and I know, like always, I've learned a lot, and hopefully, everybody listening has learned as well. Um, if you are interested uh, in growing your business, then reach out to Teresa. I mean, she has amazing uh, content. She also has some free stuff on her site. And I know everybody loves the free free, but <laughs> she does have some free stuff on her site. So, um, you know, I'll put this, the uh, site actually in the show notes. Um, and if you are interested in growing your business and you're looking at how can you be uh, the entrepreneur you always wanted to be, you know, you can get your voice. I think that's very important. And that's harder than it sounds. Um, you know, work with somebody that can help bring that out of you because it, it'll take years off of your life. Trust yeah. me. You know, <laughs> once you, you figure that out. So thanks, <laughs> Teresa, for coming on and sharing. And uh, I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Oh.